Welcome to the On-Premise IT Podcast, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location. My name is Tom Hollingsworth, and I am part of Gestalt IT, and each episode we bring you the perspectives and opinions of a group of IT luminaries, experts in their field, on a variety of topics, but one in particular, a specific premise, if you will. I want to introduce our guests today before we jump into the premise of this episode, starting with Zoe. Hello, my name is Zoe, and I have been in security for longer than I probably want to admit. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at RoseSecOps or on Mastodon, uh, RoseSec at techfieldday.net. Hey, I'm Dominic Picard. Uh, I'm at Twitter at Network Autobahn, and you can also uh, follow my blog at networkautobahn.com. I'm also like Zoe for a long time in the IT security industry. Yeah, have seen a lot and have been around a lot. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. Let's jump into the premise for this episode. With a couple of security experts, we want to talk about something super secure and ultra important. And what could be more important than XDR? The three letters that are probably driving your security team nuts right now. It's a brand new idea about the way that security should be integrated across systems and used to prevent attacks and automatically respond to intruders. But is it just something that the security team needs to worry about? Because the more you dig into XDR, the more you realize that this is not just some tool that you can deploy over a weekend. There's a lot of care and feeding that goes into it. And so the premise for this episode is that XDR isn't just for your security team. So I want to open the floor real quick to our guests because as it is in all kinds of fast evolving technologies, sometimes we get these terms and we don't actually know what they mean. So who would like to define what XDR is for our audience? So I think XDR is, is hot. It, it's one of these acronyms. Every vendor has a bit of different understanding. For me, it's kind of the idea to have integrated security solutions that work together. That is the idea, not to have a single product that is just covering one attack vector, to have a whole strategy of tools, a whole, let's say, army of tools that all work together combined and then making the security. I think in the, in the past was one of the big challenges that these different tools just existing in existing in bubbles. And I think that that's an important point because one of the things that if you ask any security practitioner, they'll tell you is that security more than any other discipline is probably well-defined by the tools that we deploy to operate it, whether it's things like data loss prevention or uh, identity access management. There's whole categories, uh, subsets, if you will, and they all kind of work their own way, but they don't talk to each other. And that's why we had to create uh, higher level tools like Seam and SOAR to be able to kind of aggregate that data. So you're saying that XDR is a way to kind of build a suite of that and operate it as one logical unit as opposed to a discrete collection of um, systems that kind of don't really integrate well together? Yeah, I think the, the main idea is to break the silos, to have one security view on stuff. Sometimes you, you need to do investigations and these investigations doesn't work well if you just look at network or just look at the endpoint or just look at, I don't know, DNS logs or so. You need a holistic view across everything. And this is also why it's not for 
just security people. Back in the days, some organization had kind of a security department. They were sitting in the high elf tower demanding a lot of crazy security stuff. And then the people that were doing the infrastructure couldn't actually do all these recommendations because it was too complicated, too hard to do. And the performance was kind of so crazy that nobody could work anymore. So we ended up in, in, a, in a world where a lot of these security things were somehow impractical at, at one point. I think the XDR behind the tooling and also the mindset that is changing, that everybody becomes a security petitioner. So if you are responsible for managing endpoints and clients, yeah, then security is kind of part of your overall uh, responsibility. And if we have this in, in many different departments, everybody is doing a bit of security, we then need an integration on top of that that is connecting all the dots and giving kind of somebody who tries to, to find the bad guys the tools that he needs and the, the analytics that he needs to, to do his job. Yeah. I think we also have to consider the, the speed. Like uh, how many, how many uh, breach simulations or um, discussions or presentations have you done in the past where it's like they have access for this amount of days and um, we were able to recognize after I think the last number I remember presenting was like 200 days and now it's like what was the last uh, one it was like 27 minutes they had access to I can't remember which company it was you know so the speed is a concern and when you're doing investigation you need all of that information right away so it's I don't want to say, I'm going to use the horrible marketing term, single pane of glass. It's not, it's not, it's not going to solve everything. But what it does do is it does present you information quite quickly. So you're not logging into all of these different places to find all of this information. And I do know that um, Cisco coming up, we're going to talk about probably SecureX um, and how they have these integrations into their environment. And it also doesn't just present you the information, it gives you some initial actions that you can then push out to the different devices. And I think there's huge benefits there, but I think it has to, my caution is, um, as I think Tom is very familiar with, we use a lot of marketing terms and then we have different definitions of what it actually provides. And companies might go out and buy the products, but it's not always presented in the way as effectively as it could be for the exact use case. So my concern is always, you know, it, this technology is great, these solutions are great, but is it gonna work? that specific vendor for your environment, that specific vendor for your specific use case. And also, who bloody is responsible for it? So yeah, we're saying it's not just security, but what does that actually mean? And I think Dominic hit on something really important when he was talking about it earlier is this idea of breaking down silos inside of an organization. And, and again, that's a term we hear almost as much as any other kind of marketing acronym. Uh, this idea that there's more responsibility for what needs to go on than just a team that's dedicated to infosec or cyber response or red team, blue team. And, and it goes back to the dwell time problem that you mentioned, Zoe, where we have people inside of an organization, we literally have less than an hour now when people can, can find a way to expose our system. But what happens if I can only take uh, incident response so far before I hit a wall of the network team or the servers team or the cloud team? How, how do I fix that? And I think that one of the problems that XDR is trying to address there is effectively, like you said, to kind of co uh, 
aggregate all that information, but also to give you recommended steps. So like, oh, it looks like the attackers are trying to gain access to this service on this server. Uh, click this button to create an access list to prevent people uh, from gaining access to it so that you can, in effect, lock things down before it becomes a problem. My question is, security has a stigma, if you want to call it that, of being the department of no, of being the people <laughs> who are constantly getting on everybody's case because, well, you need to configure this, you need to fix that, you need to put a password on this. How does XDR exacerbate that problem by saying, oh, now look, we gave them the ability to like shut everything down with one click because, ooh, they're scary people in the network. Is this going to make everybody hate the security department even more? My personal opinion is the only way to be effective in security is to talk to the people, to collaborate with the people, to work with your people. So instead of saying users are the problem, say, you know, I'm working with my colleagues. So I think if you don't have a culture where, if you have a culture where security is the awful team, you know, the one everybody hates, I don't think any solution is going to improve that. But if you slowly, over time, build that relationship and that trust, I think it can definitely benefit. But I do think you're right. There is that risk of security maybe feeling like, oh, we're the gods of the network and we can control everything. So I think I think if that's your personality, I think that's going to be it regardless of the tooling you use. Um, but I think that if you work on that relationship and build that trust and educate. So a networking person doesn't necessarily have network security background. A developer doesn't necessarily have a secure development background. So you, you have to train them in those responsibilities and educate them as to why it's important. So give them the tooling or show them the tooling. That's great. But give them the why it's important as well and how it's going to benefit them. So it's not just I'm telling you it's going to benefit. It's let's figure out how this benefits you. Yeah, and, and also t just to add to your point, back in the days I've seen often that kind of there is a secret CM tool that knows everything. Nobody had access to that. You had to go behind metal doors to see it and so on. That's maybe the wrong approach. If you have like an XDR tool where you have shared access and also the other teams can literally see what is happening and sharing that knowledge, that awareness, that there could be everywhere an attacker and something is happening. I think this shared tooling and shared awareness is adding the extra security. Yeah? So, so like everybody needs to, to, to participate to, to these things, but I think to, to keep information away is often a contra, it's not helping the, the overall path to find something. It's, it's better to work collaboratively between all the teams and then you find things faster and the next step so getting information we done for quite some time but the next step is of course automation yeah you want to automatically react i don't know if a happens we want to have action b c and d taken and all these automation workflows if you work together with your dev teams and they have a good understanding how um, development is working for them it's then a natural thing to have also the sec ops integrated to develop nice 
automation workflows for all these attack scenarios. And then there is, I think, better understanding that this is something that everybody should should care about and everybody should 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 participate in. Yeah. Yeah, and I like I like the I know that people think oh security awareness is the only training you do and it's boring, but but then you also look at well what about simulations? You know, if you create a really nice simulation and you educate them and say, well, this is the scenario, this is step by step how we go through it, um, this is the information that we're getting, this is how we're uh, identifying this or uh, narrowing down the the malicious actors, entrants, or whatever you're doing in your simulation, I think those can also benefit. So it's not just, it's not just, you know, this is important, blah, blah, blah. It's also what, go with me on this journey to sit, figure out how we can use this tool to protect us. And also, and as Dominique said, um, give them access also, because for some reason, a lot of times people don't value how important knowledge share is. And I've been to, I worked in consulting for a long time and I would come into an organization and the biggest job that I had was holding hands to get people to communicate and then documenting that. And I think this is a great tool if used in the proper way that could enhance that. You know, Dominic says there's, there's, um, automation there and there's you know uh, I think Tom you also mentioned where um, it gives you initial steps so it's not like you're trying to figure out well how do I do this it's there's all of this knowledge out there that exists that can be embedded into the tool or already is embedded in the tool you can make use of it to enhance your approach so you're keeping your skill up you're keeping the tools on par with, you know, industry standard and you're able to respond much more quickly. Even when maybe the skill isn't always there, it can be improved as well over time. And and, and I'm also a big fan of these, let's say, make simulation as near to reality as possible. I think everybody has known this boring two-hour security awareness training that is kind of uh, not very good. But if you get the people together and do live hacking and show them how attackers are working and what the tools in your XDR then flagging and what they can detect, what they cannot detect. And I think if, if that process is starting and people see, oh, my application, they here uh, have uh, shut down the process and here they dump the credentials. And if they get the whole workflow together, they, they are more following up. And I think security people, are used to do penetration tests and um, have more this mindset of uh, how attacks are going. I think this is something that we can share across the other teams so that they also kind of have always this second view. How would an attacker look at this infrastructure? What would be the first things that he would maybe try to penetrate here? Yeah? And we all know, we all know that building awareness training is difficult, especially for technical people. So putting that simulation and live kind of examples, this tooling will help you with that. It's not going to do everything, obviously, because it is production. So <laughs> you have to be slightly careful. But um, those things together can enhance it so that people become interested. It's not just you must listen to this. It's look at how cool this is. You know, look at the information you can gather. Look what can be done with it maliciously and beneficially. 
so I want to bring up another challenge that I've heard people kind of bringing around whenever we start talking about things like XDR, and that actually comes from the integration piece. Um, as Dominic kind of outlined in his definition, uh, XDR is not just about discrete tool sets. It's about having them all integrated together so that it can provide a holistic response to these challenges. But every time I hear about integration or, you know, this kind of automation and things like that, one thing that always pops into my head is, well, does that mean I have to buy all of my tools from you instead of allowing you to work with the tools that I've got? And so for certain organizations, well, yeah, that means that if you really want to deploy XDR, you're going to have to buy all of the things from us to create a platform approach as opposed to, you know, the opposite, which is the best of breed. I'm going to take this one and that one and this one. And does XDR require a platform approach? Do you do you feel like XDR should support best of breed integrations? Is, is there a happy medium there? Or are we just going to say, if we have to go with new, we have to go with new everything? I mean, in the perfect world, I think, yeah, we'd support everything, um, but that's that's not possible. I don't think, I, I, I realistically, I don't think that's possible. Um, I think that we can support or whatever the developers could support um, uh, big names and maybe create possibilities for integration to a point. Um, I don't think that they're going to be able to support absolutely everything, but I think the key thing is what is your environment and then understanding your requirements when you go out to figure out what products are out there and what solutions you can go with. So that's that's more than a sales chat. That's a I want to talk to the techs to see what actually they can support um, because sometimes the sales teams don't know as well. Um, so actually speaking to the technical people and saying, you know, let's. It's just like when you go to those like. Um, uh, boring uh, insurance conversations like in this scenario would we be covered it's the same it's the same with xdr in this scenario would we be covered you know and also it's not just you know they cover all the technologies sometimes you have two out of date solutions or two out of date products so even if they cover that brand do you need to upgrade already as well so those are the costs you you do have to consider but i I don't think it's realistic to say cover everything. Yeah, and it, it, it's this old thing with enough trust you can make pigs fly. Yeah, so of course you can integrate with third-party products, and a lot of people like Cisco have in their SecureX a lot of third-party integrations. But it's much more easy if you stay in one ecosystem. Then it is kind of already integrated, easy to to do. So it's it's a bit of how much workforce and resources do you have available to make these integrations? Yeah. Security teams using old, out-of-date software? Surely you jest. They would never do something like that. They would never have the version of a tool from 2017 because it includes one feature that I just can't live without. Next thing you're going to tell me is that they uh, they don't like users either. So. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I'm I'm old. You you remember back in the days, your networking guy Tom. Yeah, they always changed the SNMP MIPS. Yeah, <laughs> and then stuff didn't work anymore. And I have today the, the feeling today the same guys from before are now changing the APIs now and then. And then all these integrations didn't work. It does not work anymore. So yeah. And that's actually a really important point because we've talked about this idea of can XDR support things outside of their platform? And the key there is API capability to and interface with these systems. And, and yes, APIs change all the time, uh, even between minor versions. 
but then that speaks to a different challenge. Do you have to wait to restructure the way your teams operate in order to be able to fully utilize XDR? Does that mean that it's no longer just your security team? Now we have to get the development team involved because they're going to have to help you code the integrations. Is this something that you should pay the provider to do? Because I know that if you're going to buy an XDR solution from, let's just say Cisco, then they're going to say, oh, yeah, 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 we'll help you out with everything. And then you bring them this mountain of requests and they're like, oh, wait a minute, we, we didn't mean that. So is this one of those things where you are effectively bulldozing the silos down, not because you're trying to gain visibility across the organization, but you have to have those discrete skill sets available to help with the integration of XDR across your environment? Well, I think when it comes to deploying, when I worked in consulting, I um, I got to do really fun Splunk deployments. I love Splunk, um, but I didn't maintain it. So I needed to deploy a solution that worked for the people that would be maintaining it. So it wasn't always the best and the sexiest deployment. Sometimes I had Microsoft um, Splunk servers, not as sexy as Linux, but you know, for the people that were being that were going to maintain it, that was what would work for them. So when you when you are going to choose what solution you're going with, you do have to consider maybe you have to have professional services to deploy it, but do you have the right skill set to maintain it? And also, as you said, as things change, you know, things are updated, things are improving, things are changing. Do we have to maintain that service contract? Do we have to have a dedicated development team? that has to maintain something, that has to document how to maintain it. So when they go on holiday or, well, leave, you know, there's there's all those considerations. But I think that's the same for every tool out there. Um, I think we just don't always consider it as much because often, in my experience, security people, including myself, get really excited about the sexy new solution and forgets what happens if that solution is here for 10 more years, you know, exaggeration. because. But still, you know, like what, what happens? Yeah, if it is sexy and new and has an API, it's already good. But we have lots of dinosaurs in the infrastructure that are far beyond to have any APIs or modern capabilities where you can tie down an XDR or something like that. And then, yeah, you're stuck with it. And um, often this is, again, every, every team has to change. The security cannot change all the tools. We cannot decide which database you are using or whatsoever. And if it is an old fashioned one, then maybe it's problematic. Yeah, I think that one of the challenges that we run into, kind of like Zoe said, is we all love these new solutions and we definitely want to deploy them. And then the person who wanted to deploy it didn't train anybody. They leave. Now we're stuck with it. Nobody knows how to make it work better than it does. It just kind of exists. And then two, three years from now, we're looking around going, why are we still using this tool? Well, nobody knows. And I think that that's one of the challenges that people face with XDR. So as you look at XDR, as you look at the way that it's integrated and automated and all those other things, what is one piece of advice that you would give to teams that are looking to integrate that into their organization? What's something that they should be aware of as they try to modernize their security infrastructure? I think the key one is the slightly boring is, well, what do you already have in place and what, what would you need to be integrating with? Um, what, as Dominic said, you know, what legacy do you have? What, what, what are you trying to solve? You know, what is it going to benefit you with? But 
and what skill sets you have, but what technology do you already have in place and what would need to be upgraded? Because all of those costs, including upskilling to use the tool, all of those costs have to be a part of, is the solution going to work for us? Because there's so many environments that I've come into that they use, they have all of these tools and maybe they are the new sexy tooling, but they use it so small, like 20% of its capability. I'm making that statistic up, but they use it very little of what it's capable of doing because they didn't put the proper assessment in place and tune it and learn it and develop their skill with it. So I think my advice is starting out, know your environment, do the boring documentation to understand what's there and what actually is needed to integrate with that or upgrade to meet it. Yeah, and just to add to Zoe's point, I think it's it's more important that you have a holistic strategy with many mitigating controls, the good old, old onion principle, than to say, oh, we need for this category the best tool on the Gartner quadrant that is so shiny. But if it is not well playing together with your overall strategy with the other tools that you have, then maybe don't go with the top tool, go with a tool that just works together with the other stuff that you have, and you maybe end up with a better overall security. Uh, if you have everything covered, then just one one zone covered. Yeah, The bad guys always looking at the weak parts of your uh, security posture. So yeah, that's such a good point is sometimes your threat map is not the most extreme. So cost ratio also has to be assessed because if you spend so much money on the tool, but nobody's been trained on how to use it, I don't know if it's going to be the most effective. And I think that that ultimately kind of speaks to why XDR has this mysterious aura around it is because so many organizations are looking at it as a panacea to solve all of their problems. Because as much as it costs, it better solve all of my problems or I'm not going to be buying it. But they don't understand that one tool, one collection of tools, a platform, that's not going to fix all of your issues. We're still giving back to education, training, uh, communication, as we start to lower those silo walls where people need to be able to share information back and forth. Maybe XDR and platforms like it allow us to do more with that, but it still doesn't remove the need for us to take care of it ourselves. So if you build a, an organizational communications plan and an education plan around the ideas that XDR represents, you might see some of the benefits even before you decide whether or not you want to deploy it. But no matter what, you're going to have to stop thinking in terms of security team, networking team, cloud team, and start thinking of them as an IT team that works together to protect the organization from all kinds of threats, whether they be self-inflicted or third parties. That'll just about do it for this episode of the On-Premise IT Podcast. I want to thank both of our guests for tuning in. Also, we mentioned Cisco SecureX during this podcast, and we will be at TechBuilder Extra at Cisco Live EMEA. February 7th and 8th. If you want to learn more information about that, please make sure you head over to techfieldday.com to check out presentations as well as video from the event. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. Until then, take care of yourself and we hope to talk to you soon.